Does that mean we're ready? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> it's all you. Does this intro bounce off her, her and stick to me? Yep. Yes. <laughs> Animal Loft Studios in beautiful Delmore, New York. This is Bobby Pape telling you that if you lose the last game of the season, no one gives a shit. And the show has everything. Joining me for some NorCal movies and quotes that'll make sense in a few more minutes from the Stick of Butter Studios in New Brighton, Minnesota. It's Anne, not Paul Avery Lundholm. Good evening, Anne. Thank God I'm not Paul Avery. <laughs> that nerd. and in the money pit studios in detroit michigan she will defend that everyone has a right to make an ass of themselves it's meredith the mvh van harn good evening meredith good evening i firmly believe that (laughs) (laughs) and in the middle-aged momish studios in austin texas it's hillary we'd be in chalk outlines without her Butler, good evening, Hillary. I don't know if that's true, but, you know, I'll take it. Uh, Like I said, all to make more sense in a few minutes as we uh, boot up the, boot up, uh, start up, fire up the (laughs) minivan. Sorry, it's been a minute. And get back on our cinema road trip that's been going on for uh, several years now as we roll into Northern (laughs) California. First, though, a little bit of small talk, a mailbag, including your uh, things that you're pretty fucking good at. Medium talk. Tishi recommends and how you can get involved with the show. Thin on small talk this week, but I will just um, brag. I'm just going to brag as a segue into what we're pretty fucking good at. I'm pretty fucking good at selling um, extremely popular classics of the orchestral <laughs> canon. <laughs> I am Have you heard of this guy named uh, what? Beethoven? Yeah, Beethoven. Oh. Uh, we had Beethoven 9 over the weekend and a contemporary work. Uh, by a composer named Michael Doherty, featuring a very popular violinist, Anna Kiko Myers, um, who I believe is playing one of the most expensive violins in the world. Uh, and between those two things, we sold out two concerts this last weekend uh, and had a, a billion ancillary challenges uh, and pulled it all off and made more money than we were planning. And it's it's one of those rare days where it seems like we're succeeding in an industry where it feels like I'm failing these days. So... Uh, just uh, thought I'd brag. That's what I'm pretty good at is uh, two concerts full of Beethoven with uh, more singers and musicians on stage than the stagehands thought we could possibly fit. Um, and whether or not that was a fire hazard is a question for the history books because we'll never do it again. <laughs> but uh, we made it happen. And I'm uh, I'm quite proud of myself this week. Proud and exhausted. Um, yeah. And that's it. That's that's all I've done since since last time we recorded my entire life was absorbed with that. Yesterday, I drove to Boston and back to return an emergency xylophone rental. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> emergency xylophone. Oh, it's too because, early for a show title. I know. Yeah. <laughs> because sometimes, sometimes that's other duties as assigned, which will be the title of my memoir someday. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, I'm back from Boston, uh, down one xylo, and uh, up a little bit of pride. Wait, uh, wait, wait. I have a question. What is, what is, 
what makes the violin so valuable? What was it? What the, why was it so valuable? Was it the red uh, violin? I love that movie. It, it, it is not the red <laughs> violin, although the red violin is out there and you can, I forget who has it, right? Well, Josh Bell has it. What am I talking about? The Josh Bell has the red violin and, and he will come play it and, and you'll pay way too much money to hear him play it. Um, he's quite talented, but his fee is crazy bonkers high. Um, but Anna <laughs> he is a talented fella. <laughs> he is. Uh, has I have a? There's a picture of me as a young cub in this business, uh, working a summer summer production for the Buffalo Phil. And there's a picture of me and my old boss, marketing director in Buffalo back then, Steve Baker, and Josh Bell backstage just after he got off stage. Uh, Steve and I are sweaty because it's hot out. Josh Bell is dripping. Yep. Yeah. impressively disgusting uh, I gotta find that picture it's a classic uh, you know her violin it's not a Stradivarius although she also owns two Strads outright mm-hmm. apparently not even on loan to her she owns them uh, but it's it's some other ridiculous historic valuable and um, loud violin and it is quite an impressive instrument to hear live so is it Thomas uh, Jefferson's violin <laughs> what is this National Treasure 6 <laughs> It's not the violin guy from Dallas who drives a Ferrari, is it? I used to see him around Uptown all the time. No, it's somebody from like the 1600s who made. He drives it. like an orange Ferrari or something. Though, so, I, mean, cool. I would too if I could make that much money making violins. Oh, electric violinist. Never mind. Yeah, that, that's a whole different uh, ball game, a whole different genre, yeah. whole different genre. Anyway, yeah, page seven nine. There you go. And uh, apparently, nobody else has any small talk tonight. Are we that boring? We are. Like, I I mean, I didn't think of it, but as long as we're talking music, I went to a concert too. Ooh, my mom got tickets for the Bethlehem Bethlehem Lutheran Church music series (laughs) through her church, and uh, we went to a choral concert for the Singers. The worst named choral group in the history of. <laughs> oh, I thought you were meaning you were choral going groups. like because of like you were enjoying you like the singers, not that that was the name of the group. No, no, that's the name of the group. They used to be. Uh, this is the the rebirth or whatever of of the end of a group called the Dale Warland Singers, which was a very well known professional choral group, especially the most the, the most yeah. famous choral group. I yep. would argue. Yeah. Yes, um, and then you know Dale retired, and so. The person who took over, who was very talented, I think Matthew Culleton is his name, uh, was part of the Dale Warland singers. And like, I think 75% of them followed him, but they were just like, we'll be the singers, which I think is terrible. But nobody asked me, but uh, they did something. I mean, it's new music, so sort of up your alley, Bobby, although it's not orchestral, but... Um, it was a great program, but they did selections from a fusion oratorio uh, called Considering Matthew Shepard. So I saw that in the program. And I was like, well, this is going to be an upper of an experience. Yeah. And I was totally right. But it was interesting because the full oratorio is like an hour and 40 minutes, he said, but he just did five sections of it. And they were all from the perspective of the fence at different times during the story, which sounds weird. But um, by the third section, I just gave up and cried like a baby because it was so beautiful. So it was a good concert. 
my mom and I just sat there and cried. <laughs> we were like, does anybody else like feel this? But I don't know. I was probably the youngest person there by 25 years. So. Sure. They're like, who's Matthew Shepard? Um, I believe that's probably the case yeah. for a lot of them. <laughs> oh, but it's oh, a great work. I would actually like to hear the full thing sometime. Cool. Yeah. yeah. See, I uh, go outside. Very nice. Oh, those- guys. Oh, oh. What? what? My chair came. <gasps> oh my gosh. <laughs> chair, 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 chair. I didn't put it on the run sheet. My chair came. I just remembered. Oh my God. Oh, How did your ass feel? Yesterday. My ass still has some residual soreness. <laughs> It'll probably take a minute to relax. Yes. But the chair uh, is so plush. It's like sinking into a cloud. Ooh. It's great. I'm excited for you. This is a new journey. This is a whole, a whole new. I know. World. I, I told forgot. you I was going to sing this this episode. <laughs> uh, please remember that they're if if you're going to sing, don't sing Disney. They're incredibly litigious. Oh yeah, be careful. And I forgot it's a rocking chair. So the first time Ooh. I sat down it, I was like, whoa. <laughs> That's very exciting. But anyway, there's furniture news for us. And you're leading quite a life. You get a concert <laughs> yeah. story, you get a new chair. I know. I'm jealous. God, somebody stop me. <laughs> uh, equally exciting, we got some email this week. Yes, we did. Oh, that was from an the one and only transition. That was, that was, I bow to you on that. That was great. <laughs> the one and only uh, Bob Stein. Uh, send us an email who's and and he was addressing our uh, our question of the week which is what are you pretty fucking good at and Bob says I am the poster boy for male imposter syndrome no I'm not posing as male I am one I think (laughs) gender is a construct Bob at this point in your life you'd probably know um So I could have written a journal article just on me for that one. Fortunately for you, Better Sense dope slapped me on the head and I didn't write in. <laughs> you could have. You still can. Uh, anywho, what I'm good at. Number one, I have a really good musical ear and can pick up tunes quickly. I also can hear chord changes and match them to the tune quickly. Improvisation? Forget about it. I've tried. The results are painful. <laughs> Bob, tell us, do you play other instruments besides the accordion? Yeah. Or are you doing all this non-improvisatory playing on the accordion only? I think the accordion is a super cool instrument. Yeah. The buttons on the one side and the keys on the other side. Very complicated piano. Yep. Um, Number two, the ability to figure out tasks slash things that are somewhat complex with not too much study. Two instances. I was replacing some recessed lights in our house with LEDs. I realized that the connection for the LED lights was not compatible with the ceiling can's wiring. Approximately one minute of study led me to the solution of splicing the ceiling can's wires onto the connectors provided with the LEDs. Oh my god, that's terrifying. (laughs) Good for you, Bob. I did that with Uh, my smoke smoke detectors this last time. I'm not splicing any wires anywhere. Uh, Second example, I was trying to duplicate a spreadsheet (laughs) I had been using online and put it in Excel. After a rather quick survey of Excel's formula list, I realized I could use count if and average if for what I was trying to do. I had never seen or used these functions before. Oh, I love count if. Oh, yeah, so those are great. I love figuring out an Excel formula that I've never used before. Yeah, <laughs> Excel is way more um, nimble than I give it credit for. I, yeah. I poo-poo it because I hate that it allows you to do anything. It's not a database program. 
Um, but it is a very useful tool. Yep. It's one of those things that the longer you work with it, the more you learn about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, Bob continues, however, in truth, I tend to do these things as one-offs and don't tend to do deep dives into the inner workings of what I'm working on. You will not find me reading books on house wiring or arcane and difficult functions in Excel. I figure it out for what I need, and then that's it. Of course, I torture myself for not learning more, but do I? Not so much. That is an excellent point. I'm, yeah. I'm totally the same way. Like, I we, um, you know, as an uh, institution of higher education at work, we have contracts and agreements that can allow us to do some sort of extended learning and whatever. And I just never take advantage of any of it because I'm not interested unless I need to know something right now. I'm not like, I may want to know this in the future. So I'm going to do all this work at this time. I'm just like, no, no. When the problem arises, then we'll deal with it. That makes sense. I mean, like it's functional knowledge and you use it when you need it and that's the end and that's fine. Yep. Um, and Bob says, number three, cooking. I am the chef de cuisine at Chez Nou. In the one area of my life where improvisation rules, the kitchen is it. I can modify recipes with reasonable success and have even created a few from scratch. Most of the time, it's pretty good. When it's not, it's just kind of meh. I don't usually make unpalatable dishes unless you count burning stuff as unpalatable. I mean, a little I, I bit, count that as unpalatable. <laughs> like, I mean... You are amazing. I think that, I, I'm not a very good improvisational cook. I'm a good oh. recipe cook. So I, I, I really think that Bob nails it in the, this. Um, mo- when he says most of the time it's pretty good, when it's not, it's just kind of meh. But you, the thing is, you have to be willing to get meh sometimes, and I'm not willing to get meh. That's which is that's why I want. Oh, you definitely get meh sometimes. I, I mean, I cook all the time and. There are times where it's just like, well, this did not turn out very well, but we mm-hmm. still eat it. And Gregory is still very like, this is great. Like, he's very encouraging, <laughs> supportive, <laughs> which I appreciate. But yeah, you fail sometimes. And yeah. it's the same with like, I, I know, Bob, you make bread and it's the same with bread. Like you fail with bread all the time. I don't want to fail with bread, though. Well, nobody wants to fail. <laughs> and uh, you don't want to fail with anything. We know that. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. <laughs> But it does happen. Well, Bob, I think you're very good at lots of stuff. Agreed. And you're very good at writing us emails. Yes, Yes, you are. Um, So moving on to our Facebook question of the week answers. Um, Jennifer says, not shy about saying it. Dancing. You go, girl. Uh, Yes. Oh, yeah. Jennifer is a great dancer. And when I was a little kid, she would always do like, hey, Jenna, Jenna, go for that strike. And she would do a little (laughs) dance with it. And it was so exciting. I love when she busted out. Yeah, she's a really good dancer. So much singing today, too. Uh, Rosemary says cooking and baking. Very good. good. Yes. She's trying to figure out who owns the rights to the Grease soundtrack. The Grease 2 soundtrack. (laughs) (laughs) Melissa says networking. And then parentheses and overthinking. I'm good at one of those. <laughs> I am terrible at networking. I'm very good at overthinking. Uh, Laura says, I'm a great cook. We've got some great cooks in our yeah. audience. That's awesome, guys. Uh, Anne says, Sequ- sequencing the order of a bunch of unrelated tasks need to occur in. Ooh. The order a bunch of unrelated tasks need to occur in. Related, I'm a great utility player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Like okay. softball or... Utility yeah, in, infield, outfield, behind or... the plate, in a pinch. Yeah. Oh, not like electricity. Okay. 
I was confused. Uh, She'll splice Julie, your wires anytime. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. that's a good skill, too. Julie says writing and editing. That's a good one. There are yeah. a lot, a lot, a lot of bad writers Oof, in yeah. this um, country. Quick side note. When I dated a guy before Dave, this guy, Nash, who was a complete asshole, but he, I think I've talked about him before, but he was a screenwriter. And he was actually, like, fine. I read his stuff, and it was okay. But he, some of the stuff that he did was rewriting or, you know, script doctoring other uh, people's scripts that were going into production. And I would read some of the scripts, and it is shocking how bad <laughs> some of these scripts are. Like, <laughs> truly yeah. shocking. And I consider myself, like whatever like I can string a sentence together but I don't consider myself a very good writer at all and I'm like I could do better than this this yeah. is terrible so bad anyway totally I learned I that when I took a, a college level I took um, college classes in high school and I did English 101 with when I was a senior and I was like whoa <laughs> <laughs> we had to peer review you know peer edit yeah it was a wake-up call yes yep. yep I as an English major I took a senior English seminar with like 15 other English majors and we had to read each other's papers and it was shockingly bad I was yeah. like oh this is why I get A's <laughs> yes, it's exactly. incredible it's, it's I mean, not even that it, I'm such a great my... writer it's that everybody else is so bad so <laughs> bad, so bad. Yep. I had a similar situation my senior year of college with other seniors it was for my capstone class and we had to review each other's papers and I was just like how did you guys get through GBT open and I think we're going to do a full show on this at some point. So here's a preview. Uh, I was inspired by this just to write, write a bad premise for a sitcom. (laughs) (laughs) It it just gave me roommates in a haunted house struggle to pay their rent on time while being constantly terrorized by their mischievous ghost landlord. That That is not a bad premise. I would watch that show. (laughs) Ghost landlord. Uh, it's like it's like three's company sort of like, right. Yeah. <laughs> right but instead of being afraid of somebody being gay they're afraid of somebody being living <laughs> all right bet says i am a damn good cook and a pretty great pastry chef smiley yes. face agreed i mean i've never had anything that bets made yeah i'm just great. going on visual evidence but yeah. yes yeah uh i'm also really good at folding laundry and making the bet <laughs> good important skills teach Mm -hmm. me your ways folding the Uh, fitted sheets though yeah no way gregory can do that and i can't Mm -hmm. like he is so good at it and i don't know how it's amazing um carolyn says training and teaching adults amazing that is a skill because adults do not want to learn yeah (laughs) yeah true uh fred says i'm damn good at introverting (laughs) same (laughs) i never thought of that but that's a very good skill Jennifer says, I'm a pretty good improvisational cook. My husband refers to it as witchcraft when an apparently empty fridge fills up with a week of meals without a trip to the grocery store. I prefer <sighs> the word magic. Oh, I'm so jealous. I am yeah, so no jealous. Kidding. That's amazing. You need amazing. your meal planning tips. Paper stew is delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie says, training horses and teaching people to ride horses and riding horses. There's mm. a lot of horse-related activities there. Yep. Amanda says, arts and crafts are my main thing. I also make my friends laugh, usually by sending fire memes. <laughs> That's a great, That's a great skill. skill. It that is. is. Very valuable. Yes, it is. 
Ingrid says, I stay calm in pretty much any situation. I'm also a good team player, i.e. I follow directions, stay on top of my to-do list, and keep looking ahead at what needs doing. I can see Ingrid being, like, super level-headed. Yeah. Yeah. I've met Ingrid in person. She is. I did too. Yeah, she was lovely. Awesome. Yep. I didn't get a chance to talk to her very long. I remember it was at whatever show that was in Austin. Oh, the TL show in Austin, South of Queso, or yeah, the South of Queso show. And she brought her family to the TBTL show. God love them for coming to that. So she couldn't chat for very long, but it was a pleasure to meet her. Yeah, I really met her nice. and her husband a couple times because they live in Texas. For, they oh, he was Worth, nice too. Yeah, he's yeah. super sweet. Yeah, and that was the show that I missed because I went right. to the wedding in the Dominican Republic. <laughs> By the way, that's the guy who pees peed on my lawn. <laughs> I went to his wedding. I missed the sh- TBTL show for that fucking guy. <laughs> I know. God, it's disgusting. Uh, Lauren says, "I don't know anymore." Come on, Lauren. <laughs> Lauren, come on. You're good at you're good at things. You are, you are a solid social media follow lauren yes, yes you're right yeah I, I laugh every time i see something or smile every time i see something you post yes see there we go and then finally gregory says problem solving as long as it's not my problem <laughs> listen well that's the asterisk that we all face right <laughs> yes well and i totally agree like i think you know everything is improved when he gets involved in it like he's so good at figuring out logistics and better processes for things like even in the house like he's so good at that stuff so can confirm oh and as this is uh released it will be after your anniversary so yes. happy anniversary thank you two years oh my goodness i know on my half birthday how <laughs> dare I you was just, I was just trying to remember why hillary so quickly remembered that <laughs> I did say it in the yes. chat the other day, but oh, okay. yes, it's also her half birthday. <laughs> More that importantly. Was very much on purpose. <laughs> oh. uh, just before we move on, I'll just report that I kept hitting refresh on my prompt to chat GPT, and most of the responses <laughs> were basically just the plot to Third Rock from the Sun. Oh. So, <laughs> so, uh, there's an alien kick in chat GPT tonight for some reason. So. Oh my gosh. You know, I did finally hear it, but we'll talk about it more. I did hear like a good use of it. Not that there aren't, but a lot of times we have to like summarize articles to send to landlords or whatever, like some Austin Business Journal article. And I mean, they're not complicated, but sometimes you don't want to spend time doing it. And you could kind of just give it to chat GPT and be like, summarize this. And like, you know, it's not creating something new necessarily. It's just giving a little summary. That seems like a good use of it. I know, because it's a waste of time to do that and doing other things. Anyway. Ah, the future. I have used it to um, solve coding problems that I couldn't figure out. And it was not, it's not very good at SAS code. I will say that. It (laughs) makes some very incorrect uh, changes that it doesn't seem to understand. So I think it's got a ways to go before it takes my job. You need to activate SAS mode. Yeah, it doesn't have it. You go, girl. It's not very sassy. I don't know why. That's what I'm always thinking. <laughs> well, that's what I thought at first, too, but it's such a part of my daily life. I don't anymore, but I get it. <laughs> I always think when people say sass mode. <laughs> so, sass yeah. Your kale. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, what do they say in Nor? <laughs> what do they say in NorCal to be sassy? What's the? Um, there was when when I moved to 
Northern California, it was when there was a word that, like a slang word, hold on, slang NorCal word, that I was like, I can't, I'll never use that. Um, and it didn't, like, move on to greater... It, hel- it did. Hel- hella. Hella. Okay, hella yeah, was yeah. the no. word. It was I like, hear that oh, every that's... once in a while, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, and that was the big, like this is the differentiation between NorCal and Southern California is hella. Um, yeah, I could never do that. But yes, we are taking the van to Northern California. Um, I think mostly we kind of um, clustered around the Bay Area. We didn't really go up to, you know, Eureka or Sacramento or anything. Yeah, all those but... great Sacramento movies. <laughs> yeah, so many. I mean, I think like Lady Bird takes place in Yeah, I considered Sacramento. that very briefly. Yes. I thought, well, it might be good to go to Sacramento. No. No, no, no. not going to happen. <laughs> well, I mean, we had to put off watching American Beauty as a group, so. Oh, God. No. <laughs> no, thanks. That was one of those movies that when I saw it, I was like, this is so deep. And of I course. get it. And well, like, everybody thought that. Yeah. <laughs> the bad. We were all West Bentley. <laughs> it, yes. And yeah. it is. It, I heard this. I'm cribbing from a podcast, but they were like, this is the most pre 9-11 movie. This is yeah. the most like late 90s movie because it's like end of history kind of stuff where you're like, we don't, we're just bored in the suburbs and we're going to watch bags floating around with nothing (laughs) better to do. (laughs) Anyway, that being said, I think we chose much better movies than that. Um, Mm -hmm. We chose four movies. Yes, like I said, largely centered around the Bay Area, but with all pretty different. Um, and, and this time... Understatement of the month. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I mean, I, of course, had to find some similarities in them. But um, but yes, they're pretty different. And this time, we are going to go in um, descending order, starting with the most recent, Moneyball, which surprisingly... <laughs> Bobby Page chose in 2011. Yeah. Bobby, don't you go? Whoever would have thought that I'd pick a baseball movie? Weird. Whoever thought we'd do a movie that was based on a Michael Lewis book? <laughs> Weird. <laughs> and whoever thought we would pick a movie uh, with a script that featured work by Aaron Sorkin? Weird. <laughs> uh, this, this road trip has definitely um, has brought us into some themes. Before we started rolling, we were talking about how we, you, you statisticians, I can't handle this, are going to have to figure out a way to map all of the common commonalities between all these films. We've watched a lot of movies, y'all. We've watched yeah, a we lot of movies. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I have the most recent of the movies that we chose. Uh, it is Moneyball, based on the Michael Lewis book, the story of the Oakland A's cracking open and Billy Bean cracking open um, using baseball analytics, despite not being one of the lady scientists or not lady scientists on the show. Uh, I'm still fascinated by this. I have espoused before uh, the podcast uh, effectively wild, which I listen to regularly. And the book that a couple of those co-hosts wrote called the only rule is it has to work when they took over it in Indy league baseball team in Sonoma, actually uh, for a season and uh, tried implementing basically any kind of wacky zany thing. If the math said it could work or should work, and uh, I'm just fascinated by the culture shift and shock of all that. And also, um, I just like this movie. I like the storytelling. Uh, it's got a couple of uh, actors in it who would go on to do great things like Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill <laughs> and Philip Seymour Hoffman, R.I.P. Um, something yeah. so weird. <clears throat> excuse me. Something so weird about seeing him 
show up as a sports figure. Yes. Obviously, yes. Dusty mm-hmm. Baker is long past yeah. his prime, his physical prime at this point. But still, it's like he's such a non-jock yeah. to yeah. me. I yeah. was like, oh, right. He's in this. Yeah, I, and it really it really does highlight the ridiculousness of baseball where they make the managers wear the uniform. It's so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> it's so stupid. Um what I had sort of forgotten about with this movie is it it um Okay, caveat. Sorry, Dad. I was a little bit stoned when I watched this movie, so I like was seeing it in a like um, different dimension. <laughs> was it like um, all the numbers were like floating around your head and symbols no, and stuff? No, no. It's so funny because I like when I get stoned. I, I'm not a very visual person, so it's more just like my brain goes into weird, like starts thinking about things in a slightly different way. But I was like, this is like the Friday Night Lights of baseball things because everything is so serious. It's like the most, and I enjoy yeah. this movie a lot. But everything is the most serious thing yeah. and like you are going to murder baseball if you do this and like everybody's going to die and it's going to be horrible um and i forgot how kind of serious it is for a baseball movie yeah. again mm-hmm. i enjoyed it a lot because i am a sucker for aaron sorkin as we've talked about and um as i will maybe play the voicemail that i left my friend that i was like wow brad pitt is so hot in this but um it is very serious. Everything is serious and everything is like very stressful, which I guess probably is the reality of being in a sports management situation because it does seem like life or death. Yeah. It's all just, I took away from that was it sounds like an awful job. Yes. Yep. There's just so much money yes. at stake, you know, like as you say, objectively, it's silliness because it's a sport like it's we're not like protecting the nuclear codes or anything, but there are such vast sums of money at stake. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I, I feel like the movie captured the hopelessness of Oakland A's baseball fandom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is why it really struck me as an appropriate Bay Area NorCal movie. Um, Listen, it's just down the road from Twins fandom. Yeah. No, I understand. Not geographically, but. <laughs> yes. Feelings wise. Yep. That's my that's my Bill Sabers feeling. So I, I get it. I mean, I chose a good time to grow up being a Red Sox fan uh, as the shifts as the times were changing there while I was in college. But uh, yep. yeah, everything else has been that kind of heartache. So yep. And the Twins are always trying to game the system. Like they're getting a pitcher who's three years past his prime, and you know, hoping that he can bring back the magic for one more season and. It's, you're always just like, ugh, come on. We're just a little bit too late on this yep. stuff. I, yeah. It is interesting, and it does, you know, it's, it isn't like a tweak in making you think about things, and I get that, but sometimes I'm like, but, it, so it's all about the hitting. That's kind of what it seems like, right? Like, it's all about... It's not even about hit. the hitting. It's about can you get on base? Yeah. Which doesn't yeah, yeah. necessarily right. mean so hitting. Yeah. 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 Which is one of the things that all the grizzled old scouts can't get their minds around. And I mean, I don't know. Do we need to summarize this anymore for people that haven't seen it? But it's about a, a radical new way of radical new way. And you sound so stupid <laughs> of of winning baseball games, which means that it, where the thinking is not about the like glorious hit and the incredible fielding. It's about getting on base no matter how you do it. Like how sexy or not sexy, quote yeah. unquote, it is. Yeah, there was can... a point at which they were like, do you want us to, to, to throw more balls? And they were like, yeah. 
Absolutely. Or ball, yeah. Or yeah. whatever. I don't know. Baseball. Yeah. If, if you can get on by walking, by, you yeah. know, never swinging at the baseball, do it. Walk, bunt, run, grounders, whatever yeah. you can do to get the person on the base is more productive than swinging for the fences, than having a well, guy they, who's known as a big hitter. Yeah. Right. And they had the old guys talking about like, well, this guy's attractive and his what his but his girlfriend's ugly. Which what, means you know, he has like, confidence issues. I yep. was like, oh, yeah. fuck all of you. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, next yeah. That was gross. Yes. Yep. So it was like, uh, uh, throw out the old way of recruiting and, and look at their statistics. Yep. I which, mean, I which guess I, I like. <laughs> I appreciate, yeah, I appreciated that, like, yeah, statistics can make things better. Like, let's actually go on facts rather mm-hmm. than, yes, than what feeling. these guys feel about yeah. stuff and what their yeah. intuition and their experience tells them. Because if there's anything we know about humans is that we're totally full of bullshit all the time. And yeah. we're really bad at making yeah. these judgment calls. We yeah. have such a skewed view of reality. And this was an, an attempt to inject some reality into it. Yep. Thank you, um, Jonah Hill. <laughs> <laughs> right now i mean bobby you said a really good thing when we were pre-discussing this briefly is that it just makes for really boring baseball games which is yeah. totally the truth mm-hmm. yeah i mean i i'll say something that'll mean everything to people who are fans of baseball and nothing to people who aren't but it's it's just led to a challenge of three true outcomes like players just aren't getting on base anymore <laughs> like we the game has reached a point where because of a lot of this analytics uh is is all home runs and strikeouts and and just you know small balls gone you know so like the defensive skill of the game has changed and of course this year you know this this movie does not get into like shifting strategy but that came a couple years after this and now that's been relatively banned the shift has been banned this year to try to make the game more interesting mm-hmm. yeah so you know it's an interesting give and take um but I, I like it for the character study of the people who try to make change and yep. and yep. then uh, succeed, sort of. I mean, the team is good, but then the team doesn't make it all the way to the World Series because the aggregate winning is a problem in a small sample size. Yeah, right. When right. They go I, on you a, know, I remember you know. Mike saying this years ago, which and it's I never had considered it, but of course it's true. It's a strategy that's designed to work over 162 games. So in the regular season... Yeah, this small ball, money ball stuff is going to get you a real good record. But once you go to a five game, seven game playoff, you just you don't have long enough to make that strategy work. That's when your your big poppies are going to turn the tide for the Boston Red Sox. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Well, because I mean, it just shows in the very beginning, you know, when they're still losing and people are getting super pissed off. And it's like, no, just like you got to like let it ride you have to let it ride it's gonna work itself out because they have so long to let it go and then prove themselves but yeah over over a short period of time it just doesn't work but um i when rory momentarily came in to view it he i was like do you know who that is and he was like no and i'm like i know he kind of looks a little bit different now and i was like it's i don't know what his name is but i was like he's in guardians of the galaxy he was like oh it's you know whatever his character's name is in Guardians of the Galaxy. But I remember when uh, Chris Pratt was in this, I thought, oh, I'm so glad he's kind of like, because this was during his Parks and Rec time. And I was like, I'm so glad he's kind of getting a shot. Like, he's good in this. Like, he's this sort of dorky um, guy. And he's sort of the hero at the end a little bit or, you know, towards the end. And well, now, as I discussed last week, I think he's really annoying. But he was sort of sweet and charming in this. 
Yeah. yeah let, let the antichrist Pat, Pratt talk continue. I mean, I was <laughs> disappointed. I was also disappointed. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, man. He's right. going to save the day. Right. And I'm well, it's so it weird because I remember at the time being like, oh, cool. And now it's so skewed under like, right. You know, We've learned different so view. much. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can't um, take him any longer. Yes, but um, Chris, uh, Brad Pitt is very attractive, but I so I used to watch this show called Brothers and Sisters, which was not a good show, but I enjoyed it regardless. It was like an ABC Sunday soap opera with Sally Field and Matthew Reese. Like it was a like Callista Flockhart. There were a bunch mm-hmm. of people in it. And the daughter in this was the daughter in that. And I found her very annoying in this. And I also found her. I found her annoying in that and also in this. Okay, so. What I was thinking about her, so her singing, she was like, mm, I don't sing. Nobody wants to listen to me. And, and then she's when flirting she, with her dad. I know. And then, but when she did sing, I was like, a kid with a voice like that has been singing their entire lives. Yes. They have uh-huh. been taking voice lessons. Yes. She is not a shrinking violet about singing. Give me yes. a bark. I yeah. could not handle it. And then we had to nervous. listen to that shitty song 40 times. Yeah. She's nervous song. to sing in front of her dad. Yeah, sure. Look, they couldn't make a baseball movie without an adorable song titled The Show over and mm-hmm. over again. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, who's his, who was his ex-wife? I actually thought that part was kind of Robin funny. Wright. He, yeah, it's Robin Wright. Yeah. And when the hu- that new husband is like trying to fit in. That was hilarious. <laughs> I thought it was really funny. So awkward. <laughs> Uh, anyway, this is one of those movies that I've probably seen 30 times and will probably watch 30 more. It's one of those movies, if it's on, I just watch it. I could kind of see that because it is kind of a process movie. So there are exciting times. And the scene where he's doing the trade after trade and doing all that stuff, that is like a genuinely, that is such an Aaron Sorkin scene. And it's such, phone it is like stuff. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it is like kind I of exciting. That. And he has to do it essentially. It's, I mean, Jonah Hill is there. So he's working off of him, but he's basically doing like a monologue, you know, he's doing mm-hmm. it by himself. And it's, it's, that's a, that's a good scene. That's really fun. Speaking of Come, Jonah Hill. Yes. Do you think he deserved the Oscar nomination for this? I think well, I don't know about deserved. I feel like they wanted to be like, look, he can act. You know, he's not just the funny guy. He can act, but I don't. He, yeah, he's not making a Judd Apatow yes. movie. Look, yes. he's not I, just being stoned in a movie for once. Yes. Wow. I don't think he's that good in this movie, and that may be my Jonah Hill prejudice because I've never he he's not my vibe. Let's put yeah. it that way. Yeah, he's never my vibe in anything. I see him in, and so, like, maybe I can't get out of my own way on this. But I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't see it. Anybody could have played that role. Who was he up against? Okay, let's see. It was the 2011 Oscars. Let's look. While you're looking that up, I'll note that I think I pick a fair amount of process movies. Yes. Now now that I think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like. All the President's Men being one of my absolute favorite movies, and that's just entirely a process movie. Yeah. Um, it Okay, come on. Um, I know he did not – actor in a supporting role. Uh, John Hawks in Winter's Bone. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeremy Renner in The Town. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, god damn it. No, this is the wrong one. I hate when they do this. Okay, 2012. I was like, that's not right. Um, I didn't mean to put you on the spotlight. <laughs> no, no, no. It's okay. The Oscars, you know, we've discussed it, but ever, you know, since they have the um, the year 
in a, the award ceremony in a different year than it is. Okay, here we go. It is um, Max von Sydow and Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. Absolutely not. Um, Nick Nolte and Warrior. No. No. Nope. No. Uh, Jonah Hill and Moneyball. Kenneth Branagh in My Week with Marilyn. Absolutely not. And the winner, and I remember this because he was going to win from the very on. Um, he's dead, RIP, but the hottest, like, octogenarian ever. Can you oh. guess? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> Captain Von Trapp himself, Christopher Plummer. <laughs> and that's actually Ooh, a very, and for beginners, that's a sweet movie. I cried in that movie. Um, I don't know. I can't remember, you know... The, I mean, honestly, that's kind of a weak field. It is a totally weak field, yeah. and it was it was the year that the artist won um, Best Picture, which I did. I, that was one of those movies that I was like, mm, I'm good. I don't I don't need to see that. I'm, I'm not interested. Um, Chad GPT Ch- refuses to tell me who is the hottest octogenarian. <laughs> <laughs> like no no it says as an ai as an ai language model i am not programmed to provide subjective <laughs> opinions on physical attractiveness or engage in age-based stereotyping oh for god's sake it is important to treat all individuals with respect and not judge them based on their age or physical appearance let me know if you have any other questions i can help with god i'm looking at actor in a leading role and um jean dujardin one i don't care but um gary oldman was nominated for tinker taylor soldier spy which is a movie that i have two feelings about one. I have literally no idea what's going on, but two, Me I really, neither. but I really enjoy it. Like I like enjoy watching it, but I'm like, did I miss something? I, don't I was frustrated <laughs> with that. I think I, I was the like vibes they, of it, but yes, I understand yes. it's a spy thriller, but you had to signpost a little <laughs> bit for us. <laughs> what is happening right now? I'm like on the Wikipedia page. Like, did I, what's going on? Uh, anyway, um, yeah, no, good movie. I was glad. To, I had seen it before, but I I probably saw it the year it came out and hadn't seen it since then, and I enjoyed I enjoyed watching yeah. it. I have the um, book. Somebody gave me the book, hmm, and, the, yeah. and I I'm thought not, that it was a good book. I've actually yeah. never I read the, the book. movie a while I back. read the book. Yeah. You know, Michael Lewis is always an accessible writer. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. Um, we have a love of journalism movies, Anne, so thank you for bringing another sort of journalism movie. Yeah, and apparently that was inspired by, well, obviously what it's inspired by, but the filmmaking style was inspired by All the President's Men, so I yeah. read. It's, so, it seems pretty direct. You can yes, see it. Yeah. yeah, so the next movie is Anne's Choice, Zodiac from 2007. From 2007. Meredith, what's the, what was the other non-2007 movie? Was there, there was another Zodiac? There was another Zodiac from, ugh, I I don't remember the year off the top of my head, but when I searched for it, there were like more than one. And I was like, I think it's the Jake Gyllenhaal one, but yeah, I yeah, want to yeah, make yeah. sure. <laughs> and, and I think this choice shows what a trooper this bunch of people is because it is a two and a half hour movie. And so I gave you guys a choice. I was like, I would, I mean, I would like to watch Zodiac again, but God damn, it's so long. It is and a so, long movie. It I was like, do you want to watch that? Or do you want to watch Escape from Alcatraz, which is one hour shorter? <laughs> yeah, but it's significantly less Finchian. Fin- <laughs> yes. True. Finchian. Yes. But you guys were up for Zodiac. <laughs> yes. So there we go. Um, I had seen it before, but it had been a long time. And I remember it being good. And as I rewatched it. I was like, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this movie anymore. Um, of course, Zodiac is the movie about the hunt for Ted Cruz's father. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
who we all already know is the Zodiac Killer. Uh, funny. Um, anyway, anyway, uh, the hunt for the Zodiac Killer, who still technically remains an unsolved, an uncaught uh, killer. And, you know, we can talk about the conclusions that the movie draws a little bit. Directed by David Fincher and starring Jake Gyllenhaal and Robert Downey Jr. And every fucking good actor in Hollywood. Really? Yes. It was Pretty like much. there were so uh, yeah. many people that, that just dropped in. in this... And like small roles, too. Listen, I was looking away and all of a sudden I heard this voice and I was like, why do I know this voice? Like, who is that? And I looked, I kind of didn't quite recognize him. And then I was like, oh, it's Logan Roy. I recognize that <laughs> voice. I know who that is. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, uh, everybody was in this movie. I guess everybody want to work on a serial killer movie with David Fincher. Yeah. Um, and so it follows, it's a, kind of a dual thing following, um, Mark Ruffalo and Anthony Edwards as the cops. God, I love young Anthony Edwards. I know. Man. Yeah. I haven't seen him in anything so for a long time, but he's great. Yeah. But they're the cops who are pursuing the Zodiac Killer. And then if only Robert... we had a Mark Ruffalo quote that we liked. Did we? We. <laughs> I just can't think of what it could be, though. <laughs> I know. <laughs> But then uh, on the other side of it, it's Robert Downey Jr. as the wild, hardcore, drinking, drugging newsman, and Jake Gyllenhaal as the super buttoned up Eagle Scout political cartoonist who becomes uh, fascinated by uh, the Zodiac Cipher, I guess. He uh, loves puzzles and loves the Zodiac puzzles and gets obsessed by the case. So it's... It's, I guess, we're looking at it from a law enforcement perspective and a journalistic perspective on them going in and trying to solve the murders as more murders occur. And it's it's strange because it is a weirdly unstructured movie. It is. Mm-hmm. Like, the rhythms are... Uh, I, I mean, there is a climax of sorts, but it's really strange. And I read that David Venture said he did it on purpose because he didn't want to manipulate the timeline or the story in order to um, shape the movie and make the dramatic tension or whatever. He was like, the evidence came out when the evidence came out. So that's how we made the movie. And I guess I respect that, but it was weird. It I... I had not seen it, um, and I went in expecting more of like a crime-solving thing, and it was sort of was a little bit more like a process movie mm-hmm. of them going through, and it was so much circumstantial evidence that they would lead to something, but it wouldn't quite be right, and and then it turned into like how this just made them all like essentially crazy like all of these guys Mm -hmm. essentially Mm -hmm. go crazy to certain like different degrees um so like while i was watching it i was like i don't know if i like this it's so once it gets past the first parts of like the terror of it all and into more of the investigation i was like i don't know if i like this i can't tell what's going like I, i just can't get the vibe of it but then when it sat with me i did like it more like it kind of stuck with me a little bit more not in a scary way but just in a oh okay now I kind of see what he's doing and I like respect the craft more like I respect what he did more but while watching it I thought it was a little bit oddly paced yep and and 
I mean, I guess the thing that sustains it is you're always like, who is the Zodiac? Like, are they going to find him? And I'm not convinced they did. Like, I'm at the stage of my life where I don't trust anything that anybody says anymore. And the we know he's a killer, but we just can't prove it angle makes me deeply suspicious. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and I don't like that they go ahead and name the person that they think is the killer. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And the fact that he's dead, I, I I mean, okay, so his life can't be any further ruined by the unproven allegations. It's kind of unsatisfying. Yeah. I don't know that it's cool to even accuse a dead person. Yeah. Well, and that. then it was sort of weird because the, the postscript is like, well, the DNA that they found, which again, who knows how completely reliable it is because it's, how, if it was manipulated or whatever, but they were like, it didn't match his DNA. So then it's like, okay, well, so you kind of said at the end it was him, sort of, but then it's not him? Or there's well, still DNA, more questions. Like, we think uh, DNA evidence is fa- totally infallible, but it's not. Like, it's yeah. not perfect. Yeah, no. So, nope. I don't know. And, and there are a shocking number of, like, lab mishandlings and stuff, you know, right. where lab technician DNA gets into samples and stuff. So... It was, I found it, uh, they attempted to present a conclusion and I found it to be very unsatisfactory mm-hmm. in that way, in that I just don't think it was fair to do that in a movie. It's like they knew they had to come up with a suspect Something, rather yeah. than being like, and and they tried to solve it and they never did. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do think it was really well acted. Like I thought everybody was acting really well and I thought in the very beginning it was scary like the the beach one the one there by the lakeside that like yep. that was scary and yeah. the, and and you have to get yourself back to the like you know obviously there's no cell phones because it's like the 60s and 70s but it, like with when Ioni um, Sky is by, it's like she just kind of has to go with it. She's a woman and she has a baby and she's like okay and that's mm-hmm. so, it's so Ugh. scary yeah. it's it's scary. And I, this is the thing that I was talking to Dave about this. And I was like, I don't, I'm not a person who's like very into serial killers. You know, we all like had our foray of being interested in them at some point in our lives when you hear oh, about yeah. stuff. But I was, I didn't really know that much about the Zodiac killer. And I was like, I don't understand what was his like group. Like he didn't seem to have like a, like a, a type or whatever. Like it, it, it seemed, I don't know, maybe young people, but it didn't really seem like there was a kind of person. And Dave was like, it's all about the terror. That's all it was. It was about the terror on the city. Yeah. He was just like a terrorist. That's all, that's all it was. And then and I was I, like, a, okay. yeah. And also I think he claimed responsible responsibility. Like he's a terrorist <laughs> for a lot of things he didn't do, which they yeah. showed in the movie just, just to yeah. freak people out. Yeah. yeah. He just yeah. wanted to take credit and build so his he responsibility. Was an effective but, terrorist. Yeah. And, and it's a little bit, another one of those movies or shows where serial killers are glorified. Like there's some kind of super criminals. And as we know from Mike, it's just not the truth is no. that most criminals are dumb. And the reason yeah. they didn't catch him wasn't because he was some sort of pathological, genius it yeah. was just because pol- police are bad at their and yeah so the true. whole the whole thing i mean he didn't even he, 
he couldn't even finish off some of the people like right. yes. like the beach yeah, thing. Yeah, he left survivors. Yeah. He had that guy tied up and stabbed him like a billion times and he didn't die. <laughs> like that's a that's bad work, man. Yeah. Well, and he then he created Ted Cruz, which is also bad. Work. <laughs> Um, no, I, I'm glad I watched it and I realize I, I, do, I, I like, I hate the people who love David Adventure, but I like David Adventure movies, but <laughs> I, you know, like I like his style. Like I think he has a very distinct, cool style and the things, um, that I noticed is he's, well, okay. So I was saying this, like, I feel like Gen Z or maybe like jet millennials or whatever, like. Oh, like the 70s, the 60s, 70s, and 80s are so cool. Like, it was such a cool time. And I'm like, he did a really good job of capturing. Mm-hmm. Yes, there are some cool parts. But, like, when he goes to that guy's house, who is – that's so creepy when he goes down in the basement. And you're like, no, don't go to the basement. But when he's in his kitchen, and it's just, like, brown. Like, everything was brown. And it probably yep. all smelled like smoke. and Or it, olive green, yeah. Yeah, it was just – it wasn't cute. And – but there oh, was and, really- and And – Every man is, is as unattractive as he possibly can be <laughs> in those 60s and 70s clothes and styling. Like, they're yep. so, yes. like, yeah. the least attractive that Robert Downey Jr. could possibly be. Yeah. Mark Ruffalo could possibly and the more, be. The more kind of, like, sassy, um, sass <laughs> that Robert Downey Jr. gets, you're like, oh, what is going on there? There is, it's, but I'm, again, like I said this when we did Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, like, I like seeing him when he's not Iron Man, you know, it makes yeah. me happy because he is a good actor and mm-hmm. he, I mean, this is very naturally him, like a kind of, um, wild guy, but, um, Oh yeah, no. I'm sure he had no problem with those no. cocaine scenes. No, 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 no. <laughs> Um, but I'm glad to see it. And actually, there was a part that I thought was cool just uh, to show the passage of time when they showed them building the Transamerica Pyramid. Like, one, that must have been a – this is not like a visual effects masterpiece, but like that they were, they had to recreate that. I don't think there was a time-lapse camera on the tra- – but I thought that was cool just to show, like, yes, we're, we're, we've traveled in time. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's the 70s or whatever it is. Um, yeah, now I – it's one that I'm like, I'll think about. I don't know if I'm going to watch it again, but I'll think about. Yeah, I, I'm not sure that it was like thrilling enough for me to want to go see. Yeah. To see again, despite the, I'm sure, extremely fake climax in the basement. Yes. The, oh my God, I may be with the serial killer. I am 99.5% certain that that, that didn't happen in real life. No, I doubt yeah. that. That, that, yeah. was, that was movie in there to provide well, some tension. So what I um, what I will talk about in my um, in my TG recommends is uh, a podcast. This show has Oscar bu- or this had Oscar buzz, and they talk about Zodiac, and they are like obsessed with Zodiac. But what they had said in that, and it's two gay guys talking that they think that that was coded, and not that it happened or didn't happen. They don't really talk about that, but that it was coded more as gay. Like, mm. the guy was probably gay, and that's why he locked the door. Like, he wasn't uh, a serial killer. It mm. was, like, supposed to make you nervous, but then it was probably, he just thought that Jake Gyllenhaal was, like, you know, after something. I thought that was, <laughs> He was I up for it, so to speak. <laughs> yes. Well, that's definitely a different perspective yeah. that I had yeah. considered. But I enjoyed it. I'm glad yeah. I watched it. Yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 it's another one kind of, like, 
I think Seven is a really good movie. I will never watch that movie again. It really did actually freak me out. I never want to watch Seven again, but it's like I want to collect my Finchers and be like, okay, I did that. <laughs> I, think that I was saw the Seven old- in the theater with my friends and I was just like, oh my God, that was a, a most amazing movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I, I think I was the I was only person who, something. I was the only person who wasn't surprised by what was in the box. I was like, well, of course yeah. that's what's in the box. <laughs> everybody else yeah. was like, what's in the box? <laughs> I'm like, well, duh. Duh. What else? Anne just goes, duh. (laughs) Idiots. I suppose. Anne is not surprised what's in the box would not be the right title for this set of movies. (laughs) Oh, and I'd like to say I want to claim the credit for having the most NorCal movie in all of this because we went everywhere. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, we did. In Northern, all the places in Northern California because that dude killed in a lot of places or said he killed in a lot of places. So I I did like when they have the little like call in radio show where they're like, well, maybe. You know, it's the people from San Francisco that are killing him because they're like all devil worshippers. Oh, yeah. and we're not out here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just not proper, the clothes they wear. Uh, all right. I guess we're moving on. Uh, we are going to... The my best favorite... movie of all time. <laughs> yep. I would say my favorite era, maybe my favorite year of movies, uh, 1992, uh, Sneakers. Um, what? Uh, you like this movie? I'm <laughs> I've shocked. never talked about it. Um, all right. I'm going to set the scene. I think I saw this in the theater with my dad and not possibly my mom. And I just remember at the time being so thrilled. And I really, the older I get, the, I just realized that I like a dad movie. I love a dad, like little crime movie. That's not it's a too fun serious. Like, caper. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so the, Okay, what I'll say about sneakers is the more I watch it, the sillier it gets. But I just still enjoy every little... I can, love... can we talk about Robert Redford wearing a sweatshirt underneath yeah. a sport coat? <laughs> but so, what I like about Robert Redford in this movie is that I had grown up hearing like, oh my God, it's this like beautiful man. He's the most beautiful man. Blah, blah. My mom really loved Robert Redford. And in this, he is he's still like... a good looking enough but he just seems like a normal kind of dad in this movie like kind of befuddled dad that's you know I was thinking that throughout I was like I guess like was he past his prime at this point or something because I don't find him to to be like smoking hot or anything he wasn't that far out from starring in the natural at this point yeah that's true it was about 10 years Um, okay, a quick a quick synopsis. Uh, Martin, Bryce, and Cosmo are computer hackers. Yes, I'm reading from Wikipedia. But yes, they're trying. They're computer hackers. They're early computer hackers. Um, they get busted early. Sixty nine, uh, baby. Yeah. Um, but nice. <laughs> sexy uh, computer hackers. <laughs> uh, Marty, uh, Robert Redford's character, is out getting pizza, so he doesn't get busted, and he kind of goes on the run and I don't know he becomes Martin Bishop and he is a like security specialist I don't really know exactly what they do white hat hackers yes yes and that and I guess he kind of finds it boring but it's a living but uh, okay the lady in the bank after they prove that they can break into the bank the lady that's like cutting his check for his payment she is so rude she's like this is what you do for a living he's like yep and she's like well it's not a very good li- living yeah. <laughs> it's like really? i mean i don't see what the problem with it this seems like a valuable service that he's providing mm-hmm. yes um but he has a ragtag group of um 
Misfits. It's um, okay. Who all's in it? It's Dan Aykroyd, uh, River Phoenix. Oh, he was so beautiful. Um, Sidney Poitier, who I think this maybe was the first movie I'd ever seen with Sidney Poitier. Like I knew who he was, but I just had never seen anything. Um, and my favorite, David Strathairn. Mm-hmm. Um, playing a blind man um <laughs> and like um uh, like what's his name in contact um oh yeah um william uh, fickner yes uh, hillary has a thing for a blind guy i do and they're very much in the same sort of like yep character actor superpower hearing yes kind of deal <laughs> yes. they've got going on here yes um but anyway they um they quote unquote nsa played by i know one of uh Bobby's favorite actors. What's his face? What's his Timothy name? Busfield? Timothy Busfield. Timothy Busfield. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean uh, the the quintessential punchable '90s oh, actor. I know mm-hmm. that redhead man. They come in and they're kind of like, "We know who you are. You need to do this thing for us. You need to steal this black box for us." Um, another Donald Logue um, little cameo. He plays a mathematician. They have to steal this box from him. Anyway, whatever. They figure out, they steal the box. They figure out that it's like full of hacking. You can hack like everybody. You can hack like anything you think of. You can take planes down. It's fair. That part is really exciting, but it's also a skeleton scary. key for yes. any kind that, of encryption. I love yes. that it was an answering machine. <laughs> Wait, no, wait. Okay, before we get more into the plot, the thing that makes me laugh that makes this the most 90s movie is that when he gets to Gunter, who is the mathematician played by Donald Logue, when he gets to his office, he's like, oh, no, it's a keypad. How do I break into a keypad? (laughs) (laughs) Early 90s technology is my favorite thing. It's why I love, like, early X-Files episodes because they're, like, Mm -hmm. have their old-ass computers, and it's just so lovely to look at. I know. It's so they're so, so like inelegant, like they're just so clunky, but it's mm-hmm. great. Kicks it down. Anyway, they figure out, yeah, it's a super hacker. Yes, yeah, so as you said, skeleton key, and um, they have to figure out. Then there's a this. My favorite part of the movie is this is what makes it the most Bay Area. It's not more Bay Area than Anne's, but this is what makes it stick out as a Bay Area movie to me is that. Um, Marty gets kidnapped and he's taken to see Cosmo. Cosmo did not die in jail like he thought he did. He's like running this toy company, but really it's like a, I don't know. Evil technology company? (laughs) He's become Ben Kingsley giving not two shits about doing a good American accent. Nope. Ben Kingsley is like, ah, it's good enough. I tried. Yeah. It's American-ish. Ish. Ish. Marty. Marty. He 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 kind of goes into Boston, sort of. Mm -hmm. But yeah, but then it's just vaguely European at some points. So he's kidnapped. He's in the trunk of a car, goes, sees Cosmo, then is released. And they're like, this is when Whistler, played by David David Strathairn, Theron is trying to get him to figure out where he went and this is like the super hearing technology part where it's like what did it sound like what did it sound like and so they talk like did you go over a bridge I can't remember how he figured out if he went over a bridge but they figured out he went over a bridge and he's like how many bridges are in the uh, San Francisco Bay Area and they list all of the bridges and then they figure it out, and it's all very exciting. And then Based on the, like, the total spacing bullshit. in the concrete, <laughs> the as if he could have remembered that from being kidnapped and being in the and trunk like, of a car. And, like, 
bludgeoned like almost to yeah. death. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> there's no way. I'm sorry, and, and no, it wasn't. This movie is unrealistic. I no, mean, no. Were were you on you know this concrete seamed road for like what? How how is he understanding the passage of time after he's been beaten to a pulp and, and then stuffed what was in a it? Trunk? He was five like, minutes, twenty minutes. Yeah, and then he was like, "Was there a party at the end of it?" And he's like, "Yeah." Or something. And then I forget a bunch of like was. geese or something or whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, why would they? Are they? How would you know what they were still gonna be there? Um, you know. Okay, so this is my story with this movie that I feel like I've told before. But when I worked at Toomey, um, Mary McDonald came in, and I was really excited because I loved seeing a celebrity, no matter how much I like cared or didn't care about them. And I was like, I have to keep it cool, and I. But I want to tell her that I like her and I didn't want to say like dances with wolves or whatever, because I don't like that movie. And also it was just like, and all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, she was in sneakers. And I, was, I said, I just want to let you know, I loved you in sneakers. And she said, oh my gosh, thank you so much. I love that movie. And I was really excited, <laughs> but she goes on a little date. They, they have to get into the toy company. She goes on a date with Stephen Tobolowsky, who's like <laughs> the worst date humanly possible. I, I can't get past when they're going through his trash to like decide how to get in with him. They're like, he has a $400 credit on his like credit card. I'm like, well, so he's not that responsible. Like, why does he only have $400? Um, but his they, credit limit is probably $800. And that was a lot. Yeah, I guess so. In 1992, that was a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, they, they said her, whatever. It all comes to a head and uh, Cosmo and Marty have a face off. Um, Cosmo is good enough, I guess, or maybe not like weak enough that he doesn't shoot Marty and Marty gets away with the box. And he's like, I can't shoot my friend. <laughs> shoot my friend. Even though I have set up this entire elaborate revengey plot against him. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I blame him for landing me in jail, which, which is not an unreasonable thing, really. No, no. And he he should have done more for his friend, but you know, it's what I like about it though is that it it is very silly and it is very lighthearted and it's one of those ones that I can just like have on the background and it kind of like makes me laugh and there's little parts that I I I don't know like I like when Sydney Bautier beats the shit out of those uh, security guards and I like at the end when um, James Earl Jones comes in and he's annoyed because he has to give everybody you know. Whatever they want, the Winnebago. dumb things that they <laughs> yeah. want, a Winnebago. Uh, yeah. I, he has to pimp out his, you know, his <laughs> lady agent. This is what our taxes are paying for. <laughs> and they keep the box, or they keep the whatever. It's not a box anymore. It's like a, I don't know. It's Wait, a what's in the box? Um, yes, this is a very very silly movie that I like as a comfort movie, and this... I love a. It, I, oh, I love. Oh, wait. Okay. So it was uh, produced by some of the people who also produced War Games. See, it's a trend. Oh, I like it. I, I, like, so. <laughs> I like it. It's a very. I mean, silly is a good word for it, but it's it's such a good natured, fun movie. Yeah. But it yes. is very Hollywood. Yes. In terms that it's all just totally like you can tell that nobody who wrote ahead actually any idea about None. anything they were just None. totally like i think i feel like i must have seen this when i was in college 
because I started watching it and we got to the talk in the beginning by Gunter, aka Donald Logue. Yes. Um, and I was like, oh shit, I remember <laughs> this because I was majoring math at the time and I was taking, I don't know what it was, like linear algebra or something. And I remember as part of his presentation, he was saying, and we can make homomorphisms, families of homomorphisms. And I made fun of that line for so long because it's so stupid. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It makes no sense mathematically. Like, do I remember what a homomorphism does now, 25 years later? No, I do not. But I know that that's not right. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it was made for people like me who I'm like, yeah, sounds right. That sounds yeah, good. Yeah, that's Matthew. That's fancy. <laughs> yeah, sounds Matthew. Um, yes, but to kind of close this out, I have to say the um, dazzling deed from the Wikipedia entry is this is on the release portion. The film's press kit was accompanied by a floppy disk containing a custom programming <laughs> program explaining it. the movie. Parts of the program were quasi-encrypted, requiring the user to enter an easily guessable password to proceed. It was one oh, of the first God, electronic press, ki- press kits to buy okay. a film studio. <laughs> can, you, can you imagine, like, James Berardinelli going, uh, cracking the encryption uh, to do his review? No, I cannot. <laughs> I got it. Uh, Anyway, yes, very silly, but I was happy. I was happy to watch it. Yeah, it's got some fun actors. Like, I'm not sure if I like Dan Aykroyd in general, but you know, he's doing his Dan Aykroyd thing. And I cannot believe what a teenager they made him look like with that haircut and his necklaces, and he was always wearing like t-shirts and sweatshirts. (laughs) God. Amazing. I was like, this man is like 35 and they made him look like he's 16. <laughs> but uh, Sydney Poitier, always a pleasure. God. David Strathairn, always oh. a pleasure. Yep. River Phoenix, pretty. Oh, really pretty. Yeah. I know. Mary McDonald. This got me thinking about the like early 90s Marys. You know, there was Mary yes. McDonald and Mary Stuart Masterson and Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio. Mary Louise then, Parker. Mary Louise Parker. And then I started thinking about... Mary Master Antonio and her and Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and how she was honestly too old to be cast as Maid Marian. Yes. And then yes. I yeah. just went down a merry rabbit hole from this film. <laughs> I was yeah, remembering that Mary McDonald is the president in Battlestar Galactica. Oh, yeah. And, and she's, she's the, in Donnie Darko and with she, Jake Gyllenhaal. And mm. she's the. She's like a first lady in. Um, is it. Uh, Oh, Independence, uh, Independence Day? Day. Yeah, Independence yeah. Day. Because actually, I remember that part being like sad, spoiler alert, when she dies, where mm-hmm. like she's like, I, she doesn't want to talk to her daughter. And I'm like, oh, Mary McDonald, you go yep. to you. Yep. Uh, and yeah, she looks fabulous. In she this does. Movie. She does. She has a very 90s haircut, but she looks very, very yes, yep. yes. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Very silly, but I'll always put it on. Yep. Um, and finally, to our last. Uh, earliest movie. Okay, wait. <sighs> caveat. I have avoided this movie my whole life because nope. I was like, it, I don't the subject matter or whatever. Like, what? get, gave me bad vibes. Like, I don't know why it's it like gave me bad vibes. And I was like, no. I, I had friends who were very into it who were like, what do you sh- find disgusting about a child and a seventy nine year old woman <laughs> hooking up? Um, and I was like, no. I I'm going to avoid it. Um, 
Anyway, but we I finally watched. Was, oh, I thought it was overblown, by the way. But let's delay introducing this this movie as long as possible. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm sure they're just speaking metaphorically, and it's not sexual love. <laughs> oh, uh, okay. Uh, if by sorry. overblown you mean those bubbles after, then maybe. <laughs> yeah. We of course are talking about Harold and Maude. <laughs> this is my pick because. I personally love this movie. This is like a huge part of my teenage years. Um, oh, yes. I probably have teenager. seen this. Oh, it gets worse. I've seen this movie probably like 20 or 30 times. Um, so basically, this is a story about a, a guy named Harold who is undeterminate age. He still lives at home, but his mother is extremely wealthy. He lives in this like manor. And he's never had to really do anything. He He's at marrying age, but it's 1971, so that could be like 18. I know. I thought he was supposed 25. to be 16. He looks 12. He, he does. 12. The shots. They and make him so clean shaven that it's like, yeah. huh, is this a child? And it's all very the, uncomfortable. All the women that his mother brings in to date him are clearly 10 years older than he is. Yes. yes. Yeah. So he looks very, very young. And he is basically just a spoiled kid who has never had to really do anything. And he becomes obsessed with death. And he spends his time staging fake suicides to shock his mother, which <laughs> almost never works. Um, but it sometimes does work, which is hey, why I he gotta say, to a couple times I laughed. I was like, it was yeah. pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. So the movie opens with him hanging himself, and then his mother just walking into the room and nonchalantly making a phone call while he's gagging in the corner um, because she knows that he's not actually dying um, and is just like sick of his shit and doesn't care. She's like a socialite and just throws dinner parties all the time. Um, and is very, like, head in the clouds about him. And she's just like, uh, you know, whatever, dude. You're really getting boring. Except he does do one where he's like, pretends to slit his throat in the bathtub. And she screams and screams and says she can't do it anymore. <laughs> but the, it doesn't change anything. Well, that was like his third staged suicide that day. Yeah. Like... <laughs> There are several episodes or several scenes where he's talking to his therapist very briefly, and he mentions that he's done this like 15 times, roughly, <laughs> conservatively. <laughs> so his mom's probably pretty uh, hardened to it. Um, and, you know, he's kind of aimless. He's not really doing anything with his life. Um, he does spend time going to funerals for fun for people he doesn't know. Like you do. And- yeah, people do that. And at some point he mentions or he sees Maud, um, who is a 79 year old woman who also attends funerals of people she doesn't know for fun and steals cars. Um, oh, my God. There are so many amazing cars in this. Yeah, there this are. Movie. Yeah, there are. Uh, Maud steals most of them and drives them around the windy northern California hills um, in a very dangerous way um but they eventually you know kind of meet and she is a free spirit she lives in a converted rail car and just kind of does whatever she wants and is the polar opposite of him in his life and she teaches him how to play banjo and like dance and do somersaults and stuff so she you know she's a sunflower and he's a rock or something okay this brings me to one of my favorite things about this movie which is the the the, the soundtrack which the soundtrack is, is yeah, pretty much it, all it, by really. cat stevens slash yusuf islam and i loved cat Stevens. i still love cat stevens but yeah. i listened to cat stevens 
vinyl all the time when I was a teenager because until we moved out of that house when I was like 18 or 19, we had an actual record player in our dining room and I would listen to my mom's Beatles records, Cat Stevens records, Carol King records. Um, and so I developed a deep love of Cat Stevens. And my only gripe with this movie is that they only played the first like 30 seconds of each song. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I wanted well, to hear except, all of them. Except for that one. Except yeah, for that one, which they which play over and over and over. 900 times. <laughs> and he plays badly on the banjo, which is kind of cute. So, That's great. It's such an early 70s soundtrack. I mean, yeah, it is perfect. It, I went to a sort of hippie-ish camp, and we would sing that song all the time. And I was like, God, I feel like I'm transported back to the mountains there, where it's like, oh, peace, love. It is yes. so early 70s. It is. Good on the Peace Train, which is another cast even song. Um I had a teacher in when I went to school at the zoo. My teacher was a was like a Cat Stevens clone, and he would sit us around a campfire and play his guitar. Ooh. And he would play either Edmund Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald or like any number of Cat Stevens songs. Those were pretty much his his deals. Um, so I have a I have a soft spot in my heart for these songs. Um, but anyway, so you know, uh, Harold's mom really wants to get him married at some point. She decides she's gotta solve the problem, <laughs> and she fills out this like I don't know if it's like a newspaper thing or something. It's I mean, computer dating, yeah, yeah, computer dating, computer dating, and she fills out the survey basically for him. She just fills it out for like her moral views. I know it, it, that was very funny, honestly. His mom was my favorite character. I, I thought she was thing. fantastic. She was so fucking funny. She was so she funny. Was and she's filling this out. And for the first half of it, she's like filling it out according to what she thinks of him. And then at some point, she transitions to filling it out for her. <laughs> <Just> for herself. <laughs> she's just like, oh, I definitely think the moral fiber of America needs improvement. <laughs> she, she does say at some point, oh, they screen out the fat and the ugly. And so then there is a series of dates that that they come over to the house and he uh, sabotages them by, of course, pretending to commit suicide. Which Um, is great because he finally gets people that he can get reactions from. Yes. And it totally works. He sets himself on fire. He chops off his hand or he commits seppuku (laughs) by stabbing himself in the stomach. (laughs) Which the last, that one, she actually kind of plays along. I know. I was like, you know, she might be a That's what I thought. I thought he was going to go find her afterwards. I was like, go find her. But kind of similarly, at the same time, he's falling in love with Maud, um, who is like stealing cars and doing nude modeling and has a smell-o-vision machine in her weird trailer house, uh, a a sculpture that looks like a vagina, like... (laughs) They have picnics in junkyards. They're just having all sorts of fun together. So he's not really interested in any of these girls who are you know, stenographers for feed companies or whatever. Right. Who are relatively age appropriate. Excuse yeah. me. File clerk. File clerk. Yes. Chicken feed. Um, and so at some point, like he and Maude are walking down the street and they see a tree that's kind of looks like it's not in great shape. And so she's like, we have to save it. And so they steal an El Camino, <laughs> which is the car, the mullet car, as I have always called it, that has a truck bed, but it's a sedan. And they dig this tree up and they, they put it in the back of the El Camino and they're going to drive it out to the forest. <laughs> and this is where the Scarrett connection comes in because Scarrett is the Tom Scarrett is the motorcycle cop who pulls them over and he's like what are you doing with this tree in your car and you're driving crazy and he they Maude flusters him so badly that he like can't he like forgets how to 
ride his motorcycle. <laughs> it's so stupid. Okay. He's like falling over, and he, he he they get away with it because Tom Skerritt sucks at riding a motorcycle. And then they steal his fucking motorcycle. <laughs> and then they steal the his end. motorcycle. Of course she does. Yeah. Um, there's also a part where, like, in an attempt to shape up Harold, his mom sends him to his uncle who was in, uh, in the army <laughs> and he <laughs> that's started to get like very catch 22 just yes. like dr yes. strange it was love. totally it was just absurdist yeah. Yeah, but it like was no totally, arms it was fully worth it because so the the guy lost an arm in the war and he in order to salute he has a hidden like pull cord <laughs> in his uniform that makes him salute with his empty sleeve <laughs> so good <laughs> I think this is one of the funniest movies that exists. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna say I I really like enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to. Totally, I, it was in the world. I put it in the world of mm, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, yes. the movie, like, which I also love. Which yeah. is like, I know this takes place in the Bay Area, but are we in England? Like, what's going on? Who like? There's all these weird therapists that are, but it yeah. has these sort of social commentaries that are. It's somewhat obvious sometimes, but are funny. Like when they're talking about him having sex with Maud, and they're so utterly disgusted by the thought of an older woman. They're like, mm-hmm. Ooh. I, it was just, I don't know. I thought it was her saggy breasts. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I thought it was, <laughs> and they're just like, want, even the priest is like wanting to barf. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, it, it is kind of something to say. The relationship is bizarre, and Ahmad is somebody that would irritate me in real life because oh god, um, yes, you know, yeah, the free. I would never know. get in a vehicle with her. <laughs> no, <laughs> but I kind of I liked sort of the message it had in some ways, where it was just you know you can be weird, it's okay, and you know live your life. They were obviously soulmates, would. and they were meant for each other. Yeah, yes. it's it's sweet in a way, and I don't want to spoil it, but they're obsessed with death, and of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Somebody dies at the end. Right. Um, and Harold is a, a weird kid and obsessed with death. But you can see, like, like he's just so depressed and disaffected yeah. with life. And God knows he has no support system. And he's got this weird mom. And... He has no friends. He has no, you know, hobbies other than pretending to kill himself. Yeah. <laughs> he's just looking for someone to connect to. And, yeah. and, and she's... She's great. I would not be friends with her because that's too much chaos for me. (laughs) Yes, yes. She's the opposite of his mother, who, by the way, the actress's name who plays his mother is Vivian Pickles, (laughs) which I just love. There's there's some point where there's so many good cars in this movie, and I just have to point out that at one point he goes to a junkyard and he buys a Cadillac hearse and just like... By running it through a car wash, it becomes immaculate and perfect. Of course. <laughs> no, it was oh, in a junkyard. Right. And then his mother's like, we cannot have this in the house. And she sells it. And she brings him a Jaguar E-Type <laughs> Series 2 Roadster. And yeah. with, like, a blowtorch and a half a day, he turns it into a Jaguar hearse, which doesn't <laughs> exist. And in real life, somebody did this, and it took him four years. So it's a little unrealistic. But well, very you know. cool car. And at the end, it ends up getting smushed, which is kind of sad. It is. Oh, well, he can make another one. But it was a... I was very satisfied at the end that Harold is in the meadow, like, playing his banjo and kind of dancing. Because he definitely... He seems so much freer and so much lighter than he did for the vast majority of the movie. Yeah. And that's the thing. I was hopeful for him. They're obsessed with death and Maude taught him how to live. 
Oh, how sweet. I, I, I will say, I thought the beginning of the movie was a little bit slow. Like, the first time we see him fake the suicide, I, I mean, after that, I was like, okay, come on. We get we get the point. Let's move on with this. And Maude doesn't come in until, like, oh, like 20, 30 minutes yeah, of the movie. Yeah. yeah. Kind of. And once she gets on the scene, then things really take off. Yeah. 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 I agree. Yeah. I I. I it's not a long movie. It's like an hour and a half ish. Mm-mm. And yeah, you know, she's not in I mean, she's probably in whatever, seventy five percent of it, but it, it does come to life when she's in and and Ruth Gordon is Maud and you know, she was in Rosemary's Baby. I mean she has yep. like she has quite a career when I was she looking has some at chops. Her. She was yeah. born in eighteen ninety Jesus. I know. Yeah. And I will say through like because you're sort of warming to her and she's bring even though she's chaotic she's bringing this life and she is an older woman I was like by the end I was like she is kind of pretty not that it matters not that that's what it's about but you're like oh you can kind of see how you fall in love with somebody regardless yeah. I mean the age difference is whatever but like you're like oh she's sort of charming and full of life that you can kind of see why he was taken by her mm-hmm. yeah I, I will learn say how to that... do my hair with like that yeah I know she does braids, braids and then yeah. just pins them well they like show her doing her hair at some point and I was like oh thank you I forgot <laughs> I don't think my hair does that kind I of know. mine's yours not long is, enough for that but. and yours is so thick I don't know it no. would it would Mm-mm. be chunky braids yeah and it's layered so yeah. whenever I braid it, it has little wisps coming out it makes me all crazy. down the braid yeah mm-hmm. I will say that this movie started out as a UCLA film school oh, um, interesting thesis so it wasn't really like intended to be a full motion picture and it ended up turning into that. And the, the director does, you, do you remember the scene where they're at the, the, the Santa Cruz beach boardwalk? They're at the, mm. the uh, carnival. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The very first part of that, the, the director is doing a, a little cameo. He's the one standing in front of the, the machine, the like really weird looking seventies dude. <laughs> I mean, he, he did, he directed like coming home. Like Hal Ashby was a direct, you know, he, he didn't direct a ton of movies, but he like, he directed a fair amount. And it's so crazy. Cause when this movie came out, I was reading about it. It didn't do anything like it. No, it was sort of yeah. didn't do it, but it's just as, it was definitely something that I had, like I had friends like you, Meredith, that were like, this was like their movie. This was the movie mm-hmm. that they would kind of put on and, and watch all together. And I just, I never, I avoided it. I was just like, I don't, that seems weird. I don't, I'm not, enjoy, I don't enjoy that. <laughs> but I'm glad it is I weird. And it. that's probably why I thought it was cool. Yes. <laughs> no, but I'm glad I finally watched it. I, I, yeah, me too. Yeah, I liked it. I liked yeah. it more than I thought I would. I really liked it on the rewatch. I hadn't probably seen it in like 20 years, but I, I really enjoyed it again. I think mm-hmm. I saw it in college and not since. And so, yeah, it was a, worth, it is a little slow that first half an hour, but it's yeah. worth it. Then it yeah. gets going. There's also a little tiny part where you see a tattoo on her arm yeah. of numbers. Yeah. And so oh, she was in a concentration camp. Yeah. 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 I couldn't figure out if Harold noticed that or not, if that was just for the audience. It, I think it was just for us. Yeah. I don't know if he would have even known what that meant. Yeah. And so maybe it was a, a a clue for us as to why she lives life to the fullest. Yeah. She lives moss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed she does. Uh, that might have to be the show title. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, no Christy this week. So did anyone go ahead and watch The Rock anyway? No. Nope. No. Anne's like, yes, I did many times. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> the only thing good about the rock is that it has um, Perry Cox from Scrubs in it. Yeah, <laughs> I barely had enough time to watch what I did watch. So. I know, I know. I don't think she didn't actually pick that, folks. I'm just no, no, no. Mentioning that we did discuss the merits of the movie The Rock mm-hmm. briefly, and I did say I would strike. <laughs> <laughs> Anne's like marching outside. He's <laughs> like, no, I will pick it. <laughs> uh, um all right that was fun i enjoyed our selection of very yeah. different movies yep um yeah. it know. was not a chore to watch any of them no it wasn't no. at all it was maybe fun. sneakers a little bit ah uh, shut up um <laughs> baseball is boring i'm gonna keep my mouth shut up <laughs> um all right question of the week what movie makes you think of northern california and it doesn't have to just be the bay area it can be whatever where where do they like grow weed what was that like there's a place I don't know, up in Northern California. Humboldt. Weedville. Humboldt. Humboldt. Yes, Weedville. That's probably one of those. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. I, if I Google it, there's probably a dispensary called Weedville in oh, California. I'm, I'm sure. Pretty sure. You know, there's weed there's, everywhere there now. We probably. really need to work on these weed dispensary names. Ugh. Yes. You, we have yeah. to get past the weed puns, yes, people. You have to. Please. If you want to be considered a legitimate business. Yes, please. Y- you, please. You know, you got to get past that stuff. I mean, it's so, it's so I'll, embarrassing. I'll just, you know, it's not a, a punny name, but Canna Provisions, which happens to be just over the state line in Massachusetts from here. It just happens. You've heard of uh, it. Does note on all of its billboards that it is 420 feet off the off ramp. <laughs> I'm Word. on my way to Pleasant Trees right now. So talk to you later. <laughs> um,. Okay, yes. Maybe that's okay. Like that's a question of the week. Come up with a non-punny dispensary <laughs> name. <laughs> no, the question of the week, what makes you think of Northern California? Um, all right, I'm going to move on to T she recommends as I mentioned up top. Um, I had listened to this episode, but I haven't listened to it. I hadn't seen Zodiac when I listened to it. It's uh this had Oscar buzz, the Zodiac episode. Again, they love this movie. Like love love love, but what I liked is they pointed out things that I hadn't really noticed, like I said, about the the maybe gay stuff at the end and just... Um, <laughs> the dip- gay stuff the gay end. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite part. Um, but they point out, a, it's a longish episode. And it's, I when I looked, it was, it came out April 27th, 2020. Now, they normally are not together. So it wasn't like one of those, oh, this is weird. We're, we're doing this in Zoom. But you can kind of tell that there's a little bit of like where are we in this world? Like what's Mm -hmm. happening right now? Mm -hmm. But they really um, talk about the movie and the processes of the movie and and how good it is. And they also talk about obviously that, that year, um, 2007 year of Oscars. So I really enjoyed it. I I thought it was, and it features speaking of gay stuff, the guy that I always call gay Bobby Pape, he is gay and he's also from (laughs) Buffalo and his, he, I mean, he just, he has the, the, the salad, the Dallas and it, yeah, makes me happy. I'm listening to Gay Bobby Pape, and he loves the Bills. So you can start. You, know. you can call, if it feels weird to other someone. You can call me straight Bobby Pape. I know. <laughs> straight Joe. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, I will. You're straight Joe Reed. That's his name. Um, okay. All right. Get involved. All right. If you want to get involved with the show, you can go to thisshowhaseverything.com where we post the episode every week. If you like to listen on your computer, you can do that. Uh, maybe a better option is the Facebook group where you can answer the question of the week 
and post anything else that is relevant or irrelevant to the show, I guess. Uh, The show Twitter is not anything we want to be involved in anymore. So why don't you email us at tshishow at gmail.com, like Bob, or even send us a voice memo, because we do love to hear your voice. Uh, You can fax straight Joe Reed at (laughs) 617-354-8513. And the AOL keyword is, as always, Tishi. Uh, thanks for joining us, everybody. And that was not everything about NorCal movies. Nope, not at all. Never. But the Honda Odyssey rolls along. <laughs> Sienna. Oh, Sienna. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, oh, my no, God. No. What a what a How mistake to make. Dare you. What's the difference? <laughs> Everything to you. You say you want to start something new, and it's breaking my heart. You're leaving. Leave me, I'm grieving. But if you want to leave, take good care. Hope you have a lot of nice things to wear. But then a lot of nice things turn bad out there. Baby, it's a while.
<laughs> okay. So I was watching Moneyball for the podcast. Um, and I was like, God, Brad Pitt's so hot in this. And like, I don't usually think he's, I mean, I think he's hot, but it's like, I'm like, I can objectively think he's hot, but not be like horned up for him. But I was like, God, he's so hot in this. And then <laughs> I was watching and I was like, wow, he has like even like good chemistry, like sexual chemistry with his daughter in this. And I was like, she's like flirting with him. It's not father daughter. It's like horny energy. <laughs> so that's how I knew I was stoked. <laughs> okay. Bye.